Hey everybody, it's Marcus. Thanks for joining me again for this next installment of the Wide World of Real Estate. Today I've been thinking a bit about how real estate investment in the capital markets of bonds and common stock has a relationship to that of real estate investment and I'll just be honest I've embarked on learning about the capital markets recently and it is something that I've never taken part in just because a non-collateralized asset never made tangible sense to me yet I know the world of savings also includes diversifying your portfolio and that's what I was that's what I'm aiming to do over the next period of time is to as I go into my 50s I will be interested in probably getting away from day-to-day -day management of real estate and into more passive type things which I think you can do in for much in my experience much lower returns but a higher rate of being liquid and um, more passive more passive returns and it's my understanding that you can if you do well in, in an index fund you can kind of expect maybe <laughs> expect a five percent return if you don't mess it up if you go out and try to pick winners and think that listen to gurus then you are probably making a mistake because uh, a good index fund is probably going to create the vehicle that that you that you need in your life if you're just looking to compound uh, an earning over a period of time and pro uh, probably dollar cost index meaning put um, put an amount of money from your from your wages toward that aim and uh, you know where do you go for how to where do you where are your resources for understanding the capital markets well the most prominent guy out there is of course Warren Buffett his his fund Berkshire Hathaway is wildly successful as a money manager or an index fund the people let him pick uh, put money in the hands of a skilled person as a for a return and he has absolutely done that over the 40 years that he's been investing or maybe more the guys getting on up there right so I thought I would listen to him and he references a, a book by Graham uh, let's see I'll tell you uh, Graham Benjamin Graham right Benjamin Graham wrote the intelligent investor uh, who ran a fund or a private investment fund and took a, created a paradigm created a structure for how to invest and that's what I want to share I want to kind of contrast the principles in the intelligent investor uh, compare it to my understanding of real estate investment and my learning over the years that's what I participated in so I guess I am a data point I would call myself an authority but I would call myself a data point a person that filters information and makes the lateral connections and how you might think of it 
in your own personal life and I just encourage you to embrace embrace what you can control maybe say the the um, serenity prayer to yourself about uh, what you can control and what you can't and having the wisdom to know the difference and I think that under uh, I'd like to I like to start off with a small little snippet from uh, what Henry David Thoreau um, he said he said in one of his in one of his uh, I guess philosophical writings he said you know it's easy in the world to live after the world's opinion it's easy in solitude to live after our own but the great man is he who in the midst of the crowd keeps with perfect sweetness and independence of solitude so if you can still be yourself even though there's a world that wants to influence your actions and your thoughts um, that's that's the great man that can still be themselves in the midst of this uh, all these data points all the talking heads telling you what to do and I'll just share with you my jaundice bias is that anything behind a paywall any anybody stands to gain it ha- has a certain bias regardless of everything you are buying into that person's bias and with multiple data points behind people out there making money for clicks or services you really just have to make up your own mind whether you invest in Warren Buffett's index fund whether you pick the stocks or choose the real estate yourself making up your own mind I think is the key and and educating yourself has been um, how I have succeeded on a small scale um, and enjoyed independence throughout my life so let's wade into a little bit about what I'm talking about and that is the intelligent investor um, uh, Graham Bell let me see if I can get to where I want to be Graham Bell was from the 70s and he in he really he really has a broad view and a long view his his book is of has filtered and connected points from uh, a type of almanac and called several reference um, consults several reference points for the book that he wrote in the 70s and if you get a hold of one of these books then it's going to have an update by uh, somebody who has studied this book and used it and updated it for for the modern times. And uh, a brief synopsis of its main ideas is to really make a distinction whether you're an investor or a speculator. This definitely applies to real estate. I will just state that the people that are wholesaling, um, people that are fixing and retailing property, I view them as as speculators. It is a little bit about gambling. They are timing the market 
and people that pick common stocks that are doing well, they're also market timers. Uh, Warren Buffett says that he can tell you what's going to happen to a market, he just can't tell you when. Uh, and one major distinction between real estate is that it tends to move a lot slower. It is definitely illiquid. You can't just automatically push a button and get your money out of it. It's going to require some research, uh, maybe physical actions to be taking place, like improvements on the property. But the markets, I think, are they move slower. They're, they don't react quite as quickly to the uh, news cycles and uh, they have intrinsic value. So that is one very distinct way that they are different. However, you can call yourself an investor in real estate if you're not worried about the timing cycles. If you're going to hold property for a long time, I would consider you a real estate investor. But I think that you have to understand the inherent risk of getting in and out of a property or a stock in a in short order I would call that within 12 months because you have um, there's going to be commissions there's going to be tax implications uh, short-term capital gains being one of the major ones which you know in some cases it, it can really eat into your profits and uh, um, Benjamin Graham talks about the commissions involved to erase whatever profit you might achieve just because of the tax implications as well as as well as the commissions from stockbrokers or the experts. Um, I have a previous I have a previous oratory in one of my previous episodes about um, the experts when uh, I would encourage you to you know take the fact that someone calls themselves an expert with a grain of salt because in stocks and in many decisions and forecasting the the type of experts that are out there bringing attention to themselves as the expert and and having a real clear message about their greatness they don't do so well on forecasting things that's what uh, my previous my previous episode was on so you really have to understand whether you are a speculator which has an increased amount of risk and an increased amount of tax burdens, I'll call it, because getting in and out costs more. That's my opinion. Um, holding a stock for the long term, holding a property for the long term, I feel like you kind of have to just accept the ups and downs of the market as far as... Uh, owning that stock or real estate or bond. Uh, bonds are different because some are non-taxed and there again this is part of my understanding and my learning is that uh, some municipal bonds are not taxed and that depends on the interest rate of the day. And um, another way, so decide if you are an investor or a speculator. If you're a speculator I believe you have to understand that that perceived profit or gain, it could be real or it could change fairly quickly. Uh, secondly, is to maintain a margin of safety. 
So I'll just talk about the bond markets. He says you really want to be be of the understanding that there's enough meat on the bone to cover you for any losses or changes in the market as well as in real estate the the heuristic the rule of thumb is that you make the deal when you buy it not when you sell so you're building in that margin of safety for for your purchase if you hold on to a, a property or a stock for a long time that's just going to smooth out as you pay down I'm going to assume that there's going to be debt. You're going to pay down the debt and a lot of things are going to solve themselves over time. Somebody that buys something 20 years ago and the property goes up at 5% compounded over over the years or even 3 and 4% over the years, they're going to pay it off and they're going to have a free and clear property. The property's going to appreciate and they're going to look like a genius. So if you want to... Uh, look like a genius, just uh, buy property at market rate and then wait 20 years and you look smart. And I suspect, even though I haven't done much of any stock investing, I suspect that uh, holding things for a long time, like Warren Buffett, he, he expects to be in his purchases of companies. He views them as um, viewing... Uh, viewing his purchase of stock preferred in common as a purchase into the business and he stays there for a long time and looks for good management um, you can be defensive or an enterprising investor and depending on what kind of uh, appreciation or valuation you're going to pursue um, and uh, one of the main you can you can pursue stocks that pay dividends, but whenever we talk about dividends, real estate dividends is what everybody is looking for. You might call it uh, positive cash flow. Each month, you're going to be gaining a dividend. So if you're interested in that kind of paradigm, not just growth over time that you can sell at a later later date or borrow against at some point, then you should probably look for dividend stocks. Mm, I think. Well, I don't know enough to talk about what what's a dividend stock and not. And just uh, due diligence. It seems like you really need to be in the business of evaluating companies if you are an investor in the the capital markets or stock markets, and make a decision or create your principles for investing in property um, so that is how you would evaluate stocks is, is determine um, determine what the assets that are owned by the company versus the liabilities and there again the stock market in my opinion has professional financial types that go to college that all look at the same thing that everybody else does and just a higher level of competition that you have zero control over other than to stick your money in it or take your money out of it those are the choices that you have with uh, 
a bond or a stock. You don't get to you don't get to help manage. You're at the subject. You're at uh, the mercy of the manager or the company, or the manager and the company, and perhaps another layer of your stockbroker that's giving you advice about what to do. Um, meanwhile, in real estate, you can do something in addition to it being a, similar to a dividend stock, except for the liquidity and um, I guess tax implications. You have the power to influence your investment. And one of the main ways is that you can improve the property or add value. Uh, I'm sure you're well aware of something in the residential field to upgrade the interiors or renovate the kitchens and bathrooms or fixtures, landscaping. Uh, for multifamily or commercial properties, you could improve the common areas, the security systems, and other common amenities. You can increase value by increasing the rent. You can increase your dividends by reducing your operating expenses like uh, your management process, your vendor contracts. Uh, you can even implement cost savings measures like energy saving solutions. That can all increase your net operating income and thereby adding value to your property. On real estate, you can change the property's use. You can repurpose it and change the value again. Um, let's say you convert a single family home into a multi-family residence or transform a warehouse into some loft apartments and just tap into different demand segments in the market. Uh, with real estate, unlike stock, you can um, you can apply for zoning changes and land use changes that that might add value. Like if a piece of land is zoned for agricultural use, it gets rezoned for commercial or residential, that market value can jump substantially. Developing raw land at the subdivisions, that is a major way that large funds go scale their valuation. If some, I don't know, I'm just going to guess a teacher's union or an automaker's union has a pension fund that they want to go out and grow, they put it with these funds that go out and add value to uh, a piece of land by building streets and putting infrastructure for home building and then sell it to large uh, home builders uh, developed land that absolutely adds value. I know you can finance stocks with um, gosh I don't even know what to call them forgive my ignorance in the in the bond, bond market but I know you can finance it but that just inherently seems like a risky business because what are we dealing with? Something without intrinsic value. Um, if a house value goes all the way to zero, at least you can go live in it and therefore establish intrinsic value. I'm, of course, exaggerating the, that scenario, but if I were to get a, a loan on a bunch of paper stocks, that will, I would consider it very risky, but I don't know how people rate risk in the in the capital markets. Um, 
with real estate, uh, enhancing the value with uh, you know refinancing at lower rates can reduce those monthly payments, and uh, also development and expansion, adding more units to a multifamily property or expanding the square footage, uh, developing unused sections of a parcel of land, like whenever you see these shopping malls. Uh, allow a pizza shop or a GameStop out on the periphery. You'll see it in markets in these large department stores with uh, these uh, pad sites. I believe they're called. They allow driving restaurants or coffee shops to buy or lease a parcel on the on the roadside or perimeter of their parking lots, and they they can develop an existing parcel of land. Um, and a leasing management company for a commercial properties, securing long-term leases with uh, excellent credit companies, corporations. They, If you get a long-term lease with a, a big-time company, you're going to add value to your property and your uh, stock, as it were. And uh, last thing with real estate, market timing. Again, this is risky. And if you're investing in the, for the long term, that is not going to be something you're going to try and do. But um, going around and doing a little forecasting on growth areas, growth trends, or um, properties that are in transition for whatever reason, hopefully toward the top end, selling if it's going down and buying in if it's going up, but adding value is, some, is a dynamic of real estate that is uh, not achievable, not achievable in the, in the capital markets. So um, a couple of things that uh, offer those, uh, the tax benefits one thing you don't have with bonds that you have in real estate is the the ability to depreciate improvements and to expense capital improvements as well. So that's a, another uh, way to cut your tax burden down on the dividends and rent that you would uh, income that you'll receive from uh, real estate, whether it be any type really uh, income producing real estate we don't do that in stuff that you live in but you do have expense and depreciation as your tools to cut into your tax burden so another way uh, that I feel like the tangible asset of real estate uh, definitely has merit and it's allowed this has allowed me to contrast and consider what value that the capital markets and bond markets um, hold for people who are investors and I feel like it's uh, broadening broadening my understanding of investment even though I haven't participated in it this has allowed me to contrast uh, uh, with municipal bond, bonds uh, those are sometimes tax-free um, savings bonds College savings plans. These are these are money markets that you can invest in, and you can even there's even a mode to self-direct these things. Your Roth IRAs and 
and uh, have a self-directed 401k and by the way you can buy real estate with those but um, some people take those take those accounts those those tax free environments to invest into index funds or bonds or common stock this is another way to help yourself on the tax burden for these type of investments um, so um, not all bonds are completely tax-free but um, how would you value a stock if you were in in the mood for putting putting money into the into the stock or bond markets um, how would you value it? Well, you have to determine the sh company's shareholder e equity, and that is uh, the shareholder equity is the total assets minus your total liabilities. And now we're getting into um, analyzing businesses, analyzing the company that you're going to invest in over the long haul. So that's the way you you figure out your own net worth is your assets monitor your liabilities that 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 illustrates your personal net worth and that's what you do uh, to stocks so you're also encouraged by mr. Graham to determine the number of outstanding shares the number of shares that are held by all the shareholders and you can find this on the government's uh, there's um, a government site that shows how many shares there are and then calculating the book value for shares. So that is that is the book value per sh per share, which is the shareholder equity divided by the number of outstanding shares. So if a company had shareholder equity of 100 million and there are 10 million shares outstanding, the book value of per share would be ten dollars. So now that's what we're that's how you build in to see what is currently trading at versus how much the book value per share is. If there hasn't been any uh, goofy stock buybacks or t stock splits, that these are maneuvers that that companies do to. Uh, I'm just going to say that one that I'm ignorant of many facts <laughs> regarding, but I'm just going to tell you that it seems like that is what Benjamin Graham recommends to figure out what the book value per share is and then see what it's currently trading at so it is a it is a multiple of what the the company earns and different industries have different asset structures but and ideally this valuation should be can you know compared on stuff in the same sector uh, f to get a comprehensive view of the the company's health and their valuation so um, when it comes to real estate what do we have what do we have to evaluate real estate well what we have in real estate is really the cash flow analysis and that's an estimate of the monthly income the property can generate and then subtract all the anticipated expenses like the debt like the taxes like the insurance like the maintenance PITI and then management and then maintenance and then calculate the return 
on the investment. So calculate the return you expect from property as a percentage of its cost, and then consider both the rental income and the capital appreciation. So you got something that looks at the, the day-to-day, what's your rent, what's your expenses, then you can make a calculation there, and then you can make some projections, maybe some trend lines about uh, what it's done. Well, you're probably going to need some pretty detailed information about um, valuation, the five-year appreciation, and I, I suspect you'll need access to some market information from an assessor, from a realtor, from a different source that has the sales. That's what we have to determine valuation. And uh, you can get a cap capitalization rate. Uh, if you are looking at real estate, you're going to be very impressed about how realtors can figure out the, the um, valuation by the cap rate. So if you want a 10% cap rate and a, a property throws out 10,000 a month, your cap rate is 10. So you'll, uh, in, in, this, um, in this world of increased appreciation, people are investing in properties with cap rates that have been, had a good amount of pressure on it. So they've been kind of trending downward and then you can figure your cash on cash return with your positive cash flow versus what you had to put out to get into the property. And uh, that would be uh, your actual cash invested. It could be improvements too. We got to include that. And we got to divide the annual pre tax cash flow by your total cash investment. And that includes your down payment, your closing costs, as well as your renovation costs, anything that it costs to get that property up and running. And uh, you really have to to get a true measure if you're going to be investing for the long haul. We've got to talk about your total cost of acquisition, purchase, closing, renovation, and then... Just for talking purposes, we've got to compare these different asset classes and different properties to one another. We really need to understand how many years it's going to take us to recoup the investment based on net cash flow. So that's running a property like a business to determine your cash on cash return. Um, I don't know that you do that with dividend stocks because... Uh, that's only part of the reason people buy these blue chip stocks and, and dividend stocks because they're going to increasingly put their their wages, their commissions, or their fees, their income, they're going to just put a portion into it and have a compounding feature and, an, and a dividend feature of that stock. And I don't I haven't come across any literature that that talk about a cash on cash return from the money that you invest in a dividend stock. I just haven't heard that. Um, So when we're talking about prices to offer for property, you can certainly talk about the cash flow, the financials of the property, the capitalization rate, the expenses and the financing. 
but the actual value, the comparative value, we would look at a market analysis. You compare it to similar properties. Uh, you can look at the rental rates to make sure that you can verify that you have the correct numbers before to put into your cap rate and your figures for that. And we can look at market trends. If you figure you're going to start being a forecaster and somebody that looks at, reads the tea leaves for which way a market is going. Uh, but there again, deciding the causal factors that are going to be in the, uh, you know, indicate a result. Uh, there's, you know, precious few causal factors that are going to ultimately decide the fate of what happens to a market in a given time. Uh, when you analyze your property, again, this is a departure from the capital markets. You have uh, the physical inspection. You can go, you can hire an inspector and inspect it yourself to uncover any potential issues. To make sure that your collateral and your your property you're investing in is in decent shape, and you, before you buy, you can. You can inspect for structural damage or roofing or wiring or plumbing, etc. Um, and you can anticipate with the age of a property that, that the maintenance is going to be more on older properties. That's just the seems the way it goes, just like maintenance on an old car is more. And you can inspect the layout and feature to determine if it's going to be marketable. You can analyze the neighborhood, the economic factors of an area. You can get demographics pretty easily just to recognize trends and establish value. With a piece of real estate, you can analyze your risk. Um, macroeconomic factors like recessions or employment in the region. Mm. You can determine uh, with a price-to-rent ratio whether or not um, you're going to have competition from people going and buying if it's cheaper to buy than it is to rent. Then you're going to you're going to face competition from the the market of properties that are going to be for sale. Um, there are specific property risk, costly repairs, or uh, mold or pest or foundational damage management is going to be an issue for you in holding real estate and how how um, you're going to adapt to challenges or the needs of management keeping your place rented and improving, improving the rents over time and there's tenant risk there's liability rental defaults or property to manage it's just going to happen we're going to have uh, increased legal and regulatory analysis for holding real estate, zoning laws. Uh, the man can keep you down with rent control. Uh, some cities have rent control regulations that might limit your rental income. And there's legal liabilities, like I said, like the slip and falls, the lead paint, these, this uh, human quantity. Well, I don't even know if I want to say it. this. This aspect, this human aspect of real estate definitely can affect the financials if there's a screw-up or there's a, there's a job done right 
or uh, excelled upon with the management or financing or these uh, I guess I really don't know how to say it other than to say these human resource type aspects of real estate because it honestly it's a, it's going to it's going to hinge on relationships whether uh, as as a capital market I think it is much less a human a human issue um, so we really need to do a financial analysis you can understand how your mortgage terms are going to affect your take your actual cash on cash return that is absolutely going to affect it and if you're in something for a long uh, long haul then it's going to be less of an issue but you we're going to have exit strategy analysis how much you get out and how long might you want to hold it are you going to want to uh, do estate planning with this piece of real estate these are these are all implications that uh, as far as an exit strategy and um, the tax implications you are going to again have the tools at your disposal of depreciation and expenses of in real estate this does not appear <clears throat> this does not appear in the capital markets um, so are there ways to determine <clears throat> if you're going to be able to build in that margin of safety that that Benjamin Graham talked about well I suppose there are ways to you can talk about what you feel the value is versus what you offer and get an offer accepted as you can see in the capital markets you can see what your valuation of the of the stock is versus what it's trading at uh, another one for real estate would be what is the the loan constant uh, it's the loan constant allows investors to real quickly compare the different loan options two loans might have the same interest rate but varying terms or fees that might uh, result in different loan contests uh, loan constants um, the you know the loan constant shouldn't be your sole metric when evaluating real estate financing you need to also consider your prepayment penalties and your loan flexibility so the loan constant the cap rate the cash on cash return these are valuable tools another one is net present value while I'm on it you really need to understand the time value of money and that is a real crucial skill to have is to understand the time value of money and few people do and that is interest principle and compounding interest and discount rates uh, I'll just try to make a quick example whenever you pay a hundred thousand dollars for a house and you get a 30-year loan at six percent you're not just gonna pay you're not just gonna pay six percent a uh, hundred thousand dollars for that you're gonna pay probably three times that much at the end of 30 years so if you've got three hundred thousand in 30 years if you discount it back six percent if you wanted to buy three hundred thousand dollars in the future and you wanted six percent on your money um, for this incorrect example you would pay a hundred thousand dollars today 
that would be your discounted rate to get $300,000 in the future. And that is if you wanted 6% on your money. So that is, these are just a few of these to consider whether or not you want to play in the capital market with bonds, common stock, preferred stock, or uh, dividend stock. Or if you want to get real estate that has the potential where you have a very large potential to influence your dividends and to um, enter into the world of these human resources, these relationships with your tenants, tradesmen, um, service providers, salesmen, and uh, these, these type of things where you'll have direct contact with somebody to help you with your real estate. So this is kind of what I have with regard to comparing and contrasting these two asset classes. Uh, another asset class, if you're interested in multiplying your money, might be the purchase of business. I have not, I have not considered that at all, but I do understand it as yet another asset class. If you do want to uh, take the money you have and invest it in something to get some derivative of money that you have to work, uh, or you, you're trying to get out of the the business of trading time for money it is one other way to to multiply your money so all right well I'm gonna sign off for now I'm gonna tell you that I've created in my knowledge base on that notion template I just added it it's under uh, re education if you go to simplifiedhomesales.com you make a free notion account for yourself you go to simplifiedhomesales.com and click that top right button about my ultimate real estate template I'm putting all this on there you are welcome to it it's free if you have a question on any of these things after you copy it into your own notion account you can find at Marcus Tuttle and add me to it and I pretty much live inside of Notion for my management of my life and my business so I'll be able to answer your questions just like that I would be invited as a guest in a very small portion of your your Notion account and I would not have access to all of your stuff I would only be a guest and it doesn't cost any money so that's what I have for you this week. I uh, hope I've shed some insight and I can't stress enough to make up your own mind. Educate yourself and make up your own mind. There are a hundred people a fingertip away that are going to vie for your attention and your clicks and your money. But just determining your own style will most probably uh, leave you the, with the most uh, contentedness. Uh, most content feeling and positive feelings for your uh, for your money. All right. Well, again, Marcus Tuttle here. Thank you for listening yet again, and utilize the tools. That's what I'm making them for, and I will hope to see you next time. Bye.